You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead and pull up a chair. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to the Afterlife. I'm here with uh, Tommy Wakefield. Hey, hey. We're going to do another episode of The Woke and the Old. <laughs> I'm the old one, in case you didn't know, and Tommy is the woke one. I'm the woke one. And Third eye wide open. Yeah, my uh, my daughter's a big fan of you, Tommy Wakefield. Uh, um, hey there. Hopefully not in that way. No, probably not. Um, anyway, so uh, this episode... I wanted to delve into weed a yeah. little bit because I am new-ish to the weed game. I'm kind of one of those Johnny-come-latelys to the weed game because now that weed is legal in California, yeah, I've definitely been doing it a lot, but I've had experiences with weed, and I think that weed is something that, since it's not really regulated, people don't know a lot about it still. Mm-hmm. People have a lot of moral issues with it. I still think that there are vestiges of, of reefer madness that play into a lot of middle America in terms of what weed is a gateway drug to and right. how weed is evil and all that shit. And I knew I grew up with that idea. Like, it was a hippie. You're a hippie if you do weed. Right. Um, and I've... The first time I did weed... Um, and I want to hear your story about the first time. The first time I did weed, I was... Uh, in New York, and this is going to be so name-droppy, but I got to say it. Sure. So, Michael C. Hall, who is Dexter, big stoner. By the way, North Carolina guy. Love it. He's Love. like he's like a North, Car- he's a North Carolina dude. He's, just a, <laughs> he's a man. He's a dude, and he plays this kind of really stiff, yeah. Real guys, stiff guys. kind of professional kind of guys, yeah. but he's actually like a kind of a country boy at heart. Yeah. And- He's also he's one of these people. Like, what is this oak? What is this oak? <laughs> yeah. He's also one of these people. He's always said that he's better medicated. And when he is stone, stoned, he's the funniest person I've ever known. Uh, when I'm stoned, I just giggle a lot. So my first experience with him, he invited me over to his apartment in the East Village. And I went over there and I felt like it was like a Tinder date. Like I showed up all shy, like, hi, like knocked on the door, like, yeah. hey. I've done weed. I'm in my early 20s. Anyway, I go over there, and he has me come in, and he has, I think this was before the days of pre-roll, obviously. Mm-hmm. So oh, I think for sure. we're just doing a bong. Oh, yeah. You know. Now, I do have a question. Was there a reason you hadn't done weed before that? I grew up with a very born-again Christian conservative dad mm-hmm. out in Virginia. Yep. And on the 4th of July, we would go to the the big celebration at the mall. And there are all these hippies with PBRs, and they were smoking weed. <laughs> and it was, uh, what, the devil's lettuce? Yeah, yeah. Is that what it was? Um, so I only associated weed with bad things and bad people. And I also just thought that I didn't want to destroy my brain cells. And I do think that weed can destroy your brain cells, because I don't remember anything anymore. Like, I feel like since I've been smoking weed regularly, everything kind of vaguely feels like a dream. Yeah. <laughs> but that's also kind of good because you don't hold on to things as preciously as you do 
when you don't smoke weed because you're like, oh, it's an event. It'll happen. Like I've had moments where um, beautiful women have wanted to blah, blah, blah. I've had opportunities for threesomes that I didn't pursue. It didn't happen. And I was stoned, so it didn't matter. Right. Um, if I was drunk, I'd be like, come on, man. What the fuck? Anyway, so the first time I went over there and I always heard that the first time you smoke weed, you don't get high. Is there science behind that? Is that an actual thing? Is that people like, say that? Wow, Tom, I've you're heard... so excited for this for I'm this sorry, podcast. I'm just, I'm just yawning. <laughs> sorry. I think I just you know inhaled a little too high, a little but, high already. <laughs> but people say that, but based on responses that I've heard, it varies greatly. Some people get way too high the first time. Yes. So well, yeah. what happened to me was we were smoking. From a lot of a... people don't inhale that much on the first time, and that's why. Yeah. I think I, I wanted to inhale. I wanted to be like, I don't know if you saw the Good Boys, that Seth Rogen movie that he produced with the kids. And they like, hey, man, that guy, he had three sips of beer. How many sips of beer can you take? So I wanted to be the guy who can do like the most sips of beer. So I took a huge inhale. And I was like, yo, man, I don't think it really affects me the way it affects other people. We're sitting there. And he had a, uh, he had a dartboard. Uh-huh. Uh, what's that game? Skunk? 17 or whatever. Right. And someone had circled the 17 and the chalk went around the 17 and the chalk went all the way down to the bottom of the chalkboard. And Mike went up there and he goes, hey man, it looks like someone circled 17 and then they died and they fell down. <laughs> and I fell on the floor for 10 minutes laughing. <laughs> that's that's mostly what I remember of the first, first time I did weed. <laughs> I just laughed for 10 minutes straight, like literally on the floor. Wow. Um, and then the next time I did weed, I was in my apartment in New York, and this is a very this is what kind of scared me off of it. And it was almost like something out of a movie because I'm walking down the street in Hell's Kitchen, and there are these two really cute women who see me and they go, "Hey," and I'm like, "Hi." They're tatted up. I don't know. They're probably strippers or something. I have no idea. Yeah. They're like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I don't know." <laughs> and they said, "You want to smoke some weed?" I said, yeah, of course. We go back to my apartment. We're smoking weed. I'm playing music. And I don't think I'd ever had a threesome at this point. And I was, uh, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to navigate it. Didn't know how to negotiate it. I thought I had to make a choice if I wanted to hit. So I started dancing with one of the women Mm -hmm. awkwardly, stoned. And I think they What kind of music you listening to? I think hip hop. Hip hop. Maybe a little R and B. What year is this? God damn, this early two thousands. Oh, nice. Those are some good years. Maybe a little Akon. Maybe a little Akon <laughs> going on. Maybe it's getting hot in here. I don't know what's going on. Um, I think I awkwardly danced with this girl, and I think they had to Nelly. They you were high for the second time, <laughs> dancing with two strangers to Nelly. Yeah. Not knowing what it was, not knowing what I'm supposed to do, <laughs> not knowing what the protocol is. Not knowing anything about <laughs> threesomes or if that's a thing that I could get. I think what's funny about weed sometimes when you're first doing it is you come into it like thinking it's going to be like alcohol because that's the only thing you've really experienced maybe. Yeah. So you're like, oh, it'll be kind of like that. And then it, when it affects you totally differently, the plans you made where you make alcohol plans uh, the first the couple times mind. you're doing weed, right. Or you follow the stereotypes like, oh, I'll just eat something or watch a movie. But some people are like, oh, it's just like a thing. So what happened with me is I'm dancing with this one girl. 
and in my apartment. And I think they had a look. And maybe this is my paranoia because paranoia started creeping in. As it does. And I think they had a look to each other where they're basically like, let's, let's go. And they're okay, we're going to go. And I was like, oh, come on, guys. You, you don't have to go. Let's hang out a bit. They're like, no, we're going to go. And then they left. <laughs> at some point, sure. I went, wow, I don't know what I did. I got to apologize. Or maybe I messed up. I got to go find those girls. And in my head, they were back on the street, like on the sidewalk, like uh-huh. walking around. So I went outside on 47th Street, and I just started looking for them. And I felt like people were staring at me, and everyone knew what I was up to. Totally. And every person walked by, they had a secret about me, and they would look at me funny. I was like, what? What's going on? And I probably walked like three or four blocks just looking for these two girls that obviously never appeared. Yeah. And um, after that, I was like, maybe weed isn't for me. Maybe it just makes me too paranoid. So I mean, I getting up. high for the first couple times in New York City would be a totally different experience because New York is hectic. Yes. Outside in New York is like, you got to kind of be on your shit. Yes. And weed would, you know, I have a bunch of friends who smoke weed in New York, but also I've, you know, I wouldn't want to be alone and high. Yes. And Especially was, at nighttime. Yes. It was like yeah. 2 a.m. I'm alone, walking the streets, totally high. People thinking just I, passing you? Thinking I did something wrong or untoward. I, I didn't know what I did, but I um, <laughs> but I was so paranoid. And yeah, I just walked you around. You got hot in here, stuck in your head the whole time. <laughs> so you're just like freaking I little, out. I had a little Band-Aid on my cheek trying to... Anyway, that's a Nelly reference. So I... Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't sleep that night. I went home and I couldn't sleep. And every noise I heard, I thought they were coming back. To wow. my apartment. Like maybe they're going to roll me. I had no idea what wow. was going on. You really got done so in. So I probably didn't do weed again for 10 years after that. Then. Wow. Yes. Then I remember I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast. Hey, he'd be a good guest, right? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the Joe Rogan podcast. And he said, and he's a, he was also. To film a, that one. A Johnny come lately. Uh person to weed like i think he started weed when he was in his 40s right uh because eddie bravo uh, the guy who gave him his black belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu kind of got him turned on to it and he just said you know weed makes everything better weed makes food better it makes music better it makes sex better i don't know why there's such a stigma attached to it and i remember that always stuck in my head i always like it makes sex better Wow, I, w- I wonder. I wonder why and how it can make sex that better. That's how they pulled you back in. That's how they, so they made it a kinky me. thing to you, and you're like, mm. I mean, I didn't know it was kinky. I think it just ooh, in my sex. Head. Did you say? Wait, what was that last part? Now again? that I have your attention, elect me for student body president. <laughs> so I, uh, I was like, maybe I'm gonna. When I started weed again, I was like, maybe I'm gonna try that. Maybe I'm gonna try to experiment how weed interacts with me sexually and approaching um, it from a scientific from a purely scientific you know so i i'll smoke it but i won't like it okay this is for research (laughs) yeah what do you sup you want to do some research you know so um it's pretty good pickup line yeah for two lab partners the first time i did have sex on the weed again i got paranoid Mm -hmm. i was in the hotel room (laughs) And, you know, the hotel room is like... You do sound like you're smoking weed just by yourself a lot. No, I was with someone. Oh, okay. Who was also smoking <laughs> weed? Yeah. Okay. And she was an expert. She was like, 
the type of person who would just smoke a whole pre-roll. Did like, she bring the weed? That yeah, was her weed. And you were maybe a little too insecure to be like, this is my third time smoking weed. <laughs> so you're hitting it. You're keeping up with her. Yeah. Right? And, and like I said, yeah. the, it's one of those hotels where the windows don't open. So okay. you're, you're kind of hotboxing inside the hotel room. Jesus. And I've never hotboxed before either. So I'm at one point, I got up from the bed and I started pacing around naked <laughs> like, Okay, I don't know what's going on, man. I like I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Like having like a mini oh, no. uh, panic attack. Yeah, man. Um, needless to say, I didn't see her again. Yeah. Um, damn. But then I thought like maybe someone told me that you should try different weeds, different brands of weeds, and see what work for you because different people react differently to different types of weed. And right. I, I found that um, indica. Hmm. Which is, I guess, what they say, that's the weed that helps you relax more. It doesn't make you as paranoid. It doesn't stimulate your creative mind as much as sativa does. I've always heard indica in the couch. Indica in the couch. what people have told me. Yeah. So a lot of people say that indica is not what you want to smoke. It's like couch potato weed. But then like sativa is like creativity weed. Yes. This is my understanding. But they both kind of work both ways. So I started smoking indica to see if that was going to be make me less paranoid and i had a um i was with a, a nice lady and i smoked and i remember thinking it it tapped into something back when i was doing a lot of kundalini back when i was doing a lot of tantra where your brain just kind of like disappears into a weird place like sometimes like i'd be having sex with her and then sometimes my brain would be out I'd be thinking about like the rover on Mars or space travel <laughs> or universal truths. And then it would, I would snap back to like the moment I'm with this woman and I would look at her and she would look different. Like her face would look different. And you'd be like, is this the same woman? <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. Do you ever think maybe you get high and when you daydream and then you come back and it's a different universe than the one you started out in? Yes. So this is what I've started coming coming to like, think about weed. Like whose dick is it? You look down and you're like, this isn't my dick. <laughs> that can be my dick. I know my dick. It's like changeling, but with your dick. <laughs> Who replaced like, my Who dick? F- whose dick is this? <laughs> what if you haven't sex? But I have had sex where I'm in the in the when I'm really high and I'm kind of maybe not in a moment of eye contact. And okay. there's a moment where I'm kind of, I don't know, I go, for a second, I go, who who am I with? Has that ever happened to you? Where I'm like, who, like for a second, I go, who am I with right now? Has that ever happened? <laughs> no. No? No, that's oh, crazy. No. I mean, it doesn't last for long. Sure. It's just for like a few seconds. I thought, go. where am I? Yeah, that's similar. Similar, similar. Yeah. And then... um. But what I found that was really cool about it is it kind of puts you, or Indica put me into a meditative state where I wasn't really focused on the culmination. Right. Even even the act. I was sort of just kind of there and everything. I guess the stare, like- when The weed's all, like, hey, it's not a race, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's a marathon, not a sprint, yeah. bruh. I Learn do, to enjoy the journey, man. Yeah, it's like every, it's like you have this Owen Wilson voice in your head, like, "Oh, come on, man! It's just all love. We just all hang yeah. out." And, yeah, and you're like, "Oh, good point." Because you don't have, you don't have. I think that 
alcohol and other things can set you into this, this weird goal-oriented focus place where you have to have sex and you have to do something, you have to come and blah, blah, blah. And we just kind of like, no, man, it's all good. Whatever happens, happens, you know? And I do think that what happens with weed, and this this weed that we have right now is called Cavi J, and it's one of the most potent strains at the herbarium store, which is mm. monstrous. And they um they say it's the weed that helps you talk to God, right? Cheat. Okay. What do you think about that? No? That's a bit much. <laughs> okay, but let me let me tell you. This is what I think, Tommy. I do think that when you smoke weed. Certain types of weed, uh-huh. you get in touch with your higher self. Oh, sure. And your higher self is you, but just a little bit above the fray. It's a little enlightened. Yeah, it's, the thoughts it's, it's sometimes. You looking down on you, and this you looking down on you loves you is also, you know, a little critical. Critical. The cr- the voice of weed is often critical. Yes, and that's not bad. It's not mean. Like you're a f- like. You're an asshole, but it'll call you out when you're behaving with low integrity. Right. I, and, dude, I kind of agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something about like uh, the reason weed hasn't been legal. There's a million reasons. Yes. One of them is the hemp industry. They were going to make a ton of money off of products uh, that were made from the hemp plant. Yeah. And that competed with cotton and it competed with paper. So the lobbyists nixed it and associated it with the marijuana part, and this is part of the reason it's remained illegal. And also the pharmaceutical industry doesn't want it to be legal because it handles a lot of the same stuff. So there's a lot of money at stake in keeping it uh, a bad thing. And what's interesting about that is that you go, well, what about the hemp lobby? How come there's not a big hemp lobby? And there is a hemp lobby. But the problem is, and this is my problem with weed in general, as much as weed can be amazing Mm -hmm. and reveal truths about yourself and the universe and the people that you're with and also help you talk to your higher self, weed... If you smoke a lot of it and you're in a community of people who smoke a lot of it, it can also lend itself to a lot of like, hey man, what's going on? So a lot of the weed organizations are a little bit <laughs> mismanaged, maybe. Mismanaged. I, every time I go to a weed store, it's always a little, There's, everything's a little Type difficult. A people are not weed people. No. And I think that is like the weed coalition is run by a lot of um, just kind of stoners yeah. with ADD. Yeah. And I think what has changed in part because of how much money is being made, is type A people are taking over weed. Yes. And they're not smoking it. Like they're the just med running men. businesses. They're running businesses, which is probably the way to do it. It's like mm-hmm. if you're going to sell heroin, don't do not do the heroin. Right. Just sell it. Genius. And the same people. could be said. Weed is not heroin, but the same could be said for if you're trying to make money. Yes. And when I was smoking weed and going through a breakup, I remember looking in the mirror it's also, I just saw this movie, Gemini Man, which, hey, by the way, not a bad film. I saw um, Living With Yourself, Paul Rudd doing the same thing where he's yeah. both actors. Also not bad. Not bad. Good and, for them. Yeah. CGI is really killing it right now. So, um, but he had a line where he said he was retiring because uh, recently he's been avoiding mirrors. He said, why are you retiring? Like, oh, I've been, I've, I've been finding myself avoiding mirrors these days. Ooh, a little play on the mirror image thing yet to come. Oh, wow. Oh. Way to go, Tommy. Oh, Filmmaker. Filmmaker. So, um, Look on out. <laughs> and I remember that when I first started smoking weed, I was not avoiding the mirrors because I'm a comic and you look, and an actor, you look in the mirrors, but I'm looking at the mirrors <laughs> going like, look, 
Who is this? What are you doing? What, what are you happened doing to me? in your little ass apartment? Mm. Making very little money. Yeah. Not presenting, you know, part of the reason I went through the breakup was because I didn't have a quote unquote adult life. Do you still have the passion for the art? Is that what, you know, keeps you at it? That 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 question Cuz a lot of people sort of hurt my feelings. You're like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Of course you do. <laughs> no, like I'm I just mean um I am doing the art thing. Mm-hmm. But ultimately it's hard. Right? Like stand-up comedy pursuing your dream what you really want to do is hard. Yes. And it's scary. Yes. And I hope that I keep doing it forever. But there's a part of me is like, what if I don't? What if I stop doing it because it's too scary or hard? Yeah. And I'm wondering if you ever have those thoughts. Well, I think I'm at the point now. I thought about that at one point. I was in a relationship with an adult professional woman who wanted an adult professional man. Right. And it was there was no lack of love. But I remember thinking, huh, maybe I need to teach. Hmm. Get a job at a, you know, I have an MFA. I can right. get a job at a, sure. at a college. You teach. could do so many things. Um, and I, I still do audition coaching. I do acting coaching and different things like that. But uh, I was even going to be an Uber driver at one point. Huh. Just because I wanted to have more money to create a, a bigger professional life. And um, something in my brain was like, man, like, what are you doing it for? Like, what are you doing it for, Bill? Right. Maybe when I was high, my higher self was like, your, your higher self would say that to you too. Yeah. What are you doing? And, and, and that question is not a hard question for me to answer because look, man, I, I got out of graduate school at NYU for acting and all I want, like my goal was to be on a playbill. Yeah. Like I'd go to see a play when I was in college and I would see a playbill and be like, Brad, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. He's been on law and order. Yeah. And one life to live, and now he's in the play, and I'm like, one day, that'll be me. Yeah, that was about as high as my ambition went. Sure, I didn't think about some people like, oh man, I want I want to play the garden, mm-hmm. or I want to you know have my Netflix special. I was just like, man, I want to be in a playbill. This is obviously I, I was a, an actor before a comic, and then um, the word playbill stuck with you, and I'm wondering, and this is maybe me being high. Uh-huh. Did it have anything to do with the fact that Bill is in the name? Playbill? Bill on the playbill. Did you think that? Did you ever think that? Bill's going to be on a playbill. You know what? Maybe subconsciously. (laughs) Like, wait, my life can be play, Bill? Play, Bill. Just play, Bill. Bill plays in a playbill. You know what? That could be the dumbest thing you've ever said (laughs) or the smartest thing you've ever said. And that's the beauty of weed is it (laughs) really plays with those themes of dumb. It it can be both at the same time. (laughs) So... I, um, speaking of which, I just smoked them already, lost my train of thought. So, um, that was kind of it. That was, that was my goal. And when I started doing stand-up comedy, the goal was just to do stand-up comedy. It, I didn't have any goals associated with stand-up comedy because it was always a second thing to acting. However, pretty quickly into doing comedy, it becomes much more of the fabric of your life than acting. Because even if you're doing, even if on my best year, and I've never been a series regular, so that's a whole different thing but let's say i have four guest stars and two movies in a year which right. is which is a great year mm-hmm. if you do two movies and four guest stars on tv shows right that's a banner year for totally. me 
that really amounts to maybe two months of work. Hmm. At best, even if you're working a, even if you work a lot as an actor, like a lot, a lot, a lot, if you're working four months a year on acting, like on a set, yeah, you're killing the game. That means you have eight months where you're just auditioning or hanging out or getting your unemployment check or whatever the fuck it is you're doing. Sure. So comedy is every week. Comedy never stops. Never stops. Never stops until the day you die. But it, <laughs> what is it about comedy? Because there's something about it that's so addictive and competitive. It's like I started doing it and I just never stopped. Yes. And I, it takes up so much of my mind for so much of the week. Yeah. It really is like a huge part of the brain. Yes. But other, a lot of other things don't yeah. consume you. They don't demand the attention in the same way. No. Because acting, you can always take an acting class and go to acting school and learn how to act better. But mm. at the end of the day... All that really matters, this sounds really shitty to say, is who you know. Yeah. How charming you are in the room. Mm-hmm. What you look like and how you audition. Yeah. Because I can't tell you how many times I've been on a set where I've had two or three auditions and I get on this. It happened this year. I went on a set of, of uh, Manhunt out next spring. Anyway, and the director at one point goes, hey, man, you're really good. And I remember thinking, like, shouldn't shouldn't I be good? Isn't it weird if I'm not good? Yeah. But the truth is, because of nepotism in Hollywood and because of investors. I mean, look, if you think about it, every production has investors and producers and actors and da-da-da. And they all have family. And that family also wants to be in the business. So you get actors on shows that are awful. Not always, mm-hmm. but sometimes. Because of who they know. I mean, I've literally been on movies where the director apologized. Hey, the guy you're working with, he's an investor's son. What are you going to do? Yeah. And that to me is the death of art. But, what do you, you know, you, you suck it up. So, um, I think that uh, comedy, the difference is when you start comedy, everyone, everyone starts comedy because they think that they're unique and their right. perspective is... They have something to say. They have something to say that no one else is saying. And I think, I think you should come onto the comedy scene thinking that what you're doing is original and cool and you're super gifted. Like you have a rare talent that the world needs to see. To even attempt comedy demands an insane amount of confidence. Yeah. Almost to the point of delusion. <laughs> Absol- I think absolutely. And I think... To I attempt th- anything. I think delusion isn't a bad thing. And I think we might have talked about this on one of the other podcasts where there is a psychological condition i don't remember the name of it but there's a name for it just give it a name we'll figure maybe make our own name but the people who are the most confident are also the people with the least amount of talent that is a proven scientific fact really because when you have a lot of confidence what that means is you don't have a lot of self-awareness about your your limits interesting that's why you see, like, you know, uh, who's that guy on? Oh, oh, she hmm. bang, she bang. Not, no, that's Ricky Martin. Who's a guy in like America's Got Talent? That Asian guy. Some of these people go in the America's. They, they sing and they can't sing at all, but they have boundless amounts of confidence. They're like, yeah. I deserve to be a big star. And I've met, I met those people, and sometimes you can actually garner a lot of fame and work just from that raw. Sometimes I like to have people around me like that. 
people who are just so confident because it, it kind of makes me more confident. Yeah. Because I, especially for a while, and I think smoking weed enhances this, sure. that self-awareness. Mm-hmm. For a while, I was, you know, it's kind of funny I've been cutting back on weed mm-hmm. because I think sometimes weed enhances your self-awareness to a point where it becomes negative. Like, like I'll, I'll really be crippling myself being like, these are all the things that are not working or yes. could be better or blah, 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 blah. And yeah. sometimes to succeed in something hard or where you need a little delusion, you really just have to press forward with this yes. blind ambition. Yes. You, know? you just go like, I'm going to make it and it's going to be bad, but I'm not going to think about how it's bad because I just have to make another thing. Yes. And that goes to the idea of what it means to make it. Because one of the things you always hear like, oh, you're going to make it. You'll make it. You're great. You're talented. You're going to make it. Yeah. And then you hear you hear that in your 20s. And then your 30s start hearing like, why haven't you made it yet? And then you hit 40 and you're like, wait, why haven't you made it yet? Like, what's, like, then they look at you like, what's wrong with you that you have made it? And one of the things that weed has afforded me is this idea that it's kind of like led me back to the original reason why I started stand-up and why I started acting is really sounds so pretentious. Just the need to do it. Yeah. You know, and without a goal. And people will say, if you really focus and you really do what you're doing and do well, eventually more opportunities will come. And I do think that's true, but it's also hard to balance that with the self-criticism kind of coming in at all angles. And also, look, you talk about being competitive with, I, I was very competitive when I started stand-up. And I think you learn as an actor, as a comic later on, that the, the only person you should ever be competitive with is yourself. I used to get really jealous of friends of mine that that made it, that really got series and you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then I started thinking, like, life is a pretty complicated and huge thing. And there's marriage and there's kids. And then I see these people friends of mine like mike for example he got cancer and then he went through two divorces and um and i have another friend who's on a huge series right now who's going through a really difficult marriage and it, life will happen no matter what whether yeah. you've quote unquote made it or not so really making it is just just finding whatever you're doing just being happy right yeah or constantly totally finding i mean ways to be happy truly nothing that has anything to do with numbers or classes or fucking uh, groups matters at the end of the day. Cause we're all just going to live and die and do whatever we do. Yes. So, and this is a very high thought. Yes. <laughs> but this is a weed thing almost. It's just like truly the only righteous calling is to like do something that spiritually feels right. Yes. That is true to who you are. Cause living a lie would be the most painful thing. Yeah. And I've thought about the idea, you know, when I went out of, came out of college, I interviewed for NASA. Yeah. And I interviewed for Wall Street. And I remember thinking when I I had a briefcase and I went to the East River in Manhattan after an interview at Wall Street where I botched it. I just said some canned paragraph that I'd memorized to the guy. And then at one point I just said, I don't know what I'm doing here. Yeah, And I left the meeting and I threw my briefcase that my dad bought me and I threw it in the East River because I was like, man, I'm going to be me. I'm going to be. I love that though. Yeah, I kind of love that. But at the same time, like I convinced myself that 
I was pursuing a higher calling and that being an artist was a better, more elevated way of being than being someone who's in the matrix, who is on who's Wall in the Street, matrix, yeah. who is in a cubicle, who is working. But at the same time, like, who am I to say that? That's, there's no more honor to what I'm doing than what these people are doing, than what my dad did. There's no more honor. It's just, just no. what I want to do. Yeah. So then you just go, well, what do you need to do to make the life that you want which I guess is a life of expression, right? Of self-expression. Sure. Not feeling like a cog in a machine. Yeah, so... But now I'm just a cog in the art world machine, you know? Yeah, exactly. There's no escaping it. And I think that a lot of times people in the art world cog, they think, well, I can't, I can't drive Uber or I can't be a bartender or I can't be a waiter because it makes me look bad or right. people will think I'm not really making it if that's what I'm doing. But I think that that's ridiculous, and that's all ego. Mm. So um, I never did start Uber driving. <laughs> sure. Probably because of my ego. But I looked into it. I thought about it. As a, I was like, why, why, why is my ego getting in the way? And I remember Giant Sanchez said, well, what about your pride? And I just said, what does pride have to do with the fact that I'm living a very self-involved hmm. life? Like, it's not like I'm not writing comedy. And every time you, in LA in particular, if you guys ever come out here every uber driver has a story right and they're always they have a screenplay or a comic book or a video game or they're actors or i can't tell you many models and actors and writers and producers i've met that are uber drivers and the initial instinct is you don't take them seriously because who's this uber driver but that's also again stupid ego that doesn't really mean anything so just do whatever you need to do to keep it going you know what i mean because the, the flip side is you just sit around complaining about how shitty your life is, which LA is, there's a plethora of people, that's all they want to do is they hang out at their friggin' mansions in the hills, smoking weed, drinking, going, ah, man, you know. Yeah. Back in the day, I was on four shows. No, I'm not. It's like, well, just do something. What was your first experience with weed, Tommy? Um... I remember weed being kind of weird for me because a lot of my friends started smoking it in high school and I refused. Why? Because I was, I had uh, been trained that it was wrong. And By that your it family? Was evil, yeah. Or, or that it was dangerous. And I remember thinking, or like, if you smoke weed, you're not going to go to college or be a success. Yes. And I was like, I don't... I don't want to risk anything. Yeah. Did you think it was because you were going to lose brain cells? Yeah, something like that. I was like, I need every fucking cell I can get. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, <laughs> but finally, my it was senior year. My friends convinced me. They were like, just In come high over. School. Yeah, it was like two of my closer friends who had remained friends with me, even though we weren't smoking weed, you know? I think most people remained friends with me, but it definitely I stopped getting invited to certain things freshman, sophomore year. And I would hang out with people who didn't smoke weed, you yeah. know? So I was like, God damn, that's that's a bummer. What, now, why... But, sidebar real quick. Why is weed... Why is getting enhanced on anything cooler? Why is it cool to smoke? I don't think it's cool to smoke anymore, actually. But why do you think it's cool to smoke weed and get high and do pills? And even if... You, like, if you're a rock star, right? Mm -hmm. And... A friend of mine named Mike Doty, who's in a band called Soul Coughing, 
Do you remember? You probably don't remember them before your time, but they're a great band. He's actually in Nashville right now. He's a solo artist, but they um the band got big because a couple of their songs got big. They were used in like WB shows and shit, or CW shows now. And uh, he, I guess, he felt like in order to be a real rock star, he had to do the rock star thing, which meant an addiction to a hard drug. So he started doing heroin. Jesus. It's almost like the way rappers get shot for street crud. It's like right. you have to do heroin or coke. Rappers are kind of doing the drug thing now, more so. What drug thing? Like uh, they're doing Xanax or Sippin' Lean was back in Lil Wayne's day. Like they What's have Sippin' Lean? It's just a rock star thing where you pick a inebriation to have. Yes. Sipping Lean, though, is promethazine in cough syrup poured into like a red drink oh, so or a like purple drink purple drink purple drink right what purple you know drink about, has you know lean about purple in it drink? well that's lean oh okay and Lil Wayne and a couple of the rappers were really into that in the late 2000s back when I was in school now don't you think that the cooler thing to be and I used to always think this and I still kind of think this is to exist in your own brain sober and have full capacity to your creative self and your artistic self and not rely on molly and coke and i mean heroin like and that's weed. the coolest thing to be if you're a youth pastor <laughs> <laughs> but why why are drugs so cool uh i think part of it i think the reason cigarettes are cool is especially still mm -hmm. is because they exhibit like a lack of fear of mm. what people think and of death yeah smoking cigarettes is like i don't give a shit i'm gonna die we're all yeah. gonna die like there's something intimidating. The same reason like riding a motorcycle is cool. It's yeah. like, oh, that dude doesn't fear death. Yeah. That's the one fear we all have, share, you know? Yeah. So uh, so I guess certain drugs also, it's like something about the tortured artist. Like, oh, his issues. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know? And if you are a legit rock star. It's just interesting to have issues, I think. Yeah. It's weird. And if you're a legit rock star who hasn't struggled with some form of addiction whether it's alcohol or drugs or whatever, you're kind of not cool. Right. I mean, name a rock star that's real. I mean, maybe Ed Sheeran? Nah, he, even he has his issues. He does? Totally. What? Come on. Just because of the way ginger? he looks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, among others. He, uh, I think he drank or something. I don't think he's sober. But even Bieber, like Bieber, when he wanted Bieber to- Bieber had hell it, but he's like he had, a child star. Those yeah, are a whole another set of whole issues. other issues. But he also, you could tell he wanted the street cred. So he wanted to race cars fast and have drug problems and have orgy problems and all that stuff. And get tattoos. Get all those tattoos. Start rapping. Yeah. So anyway, when I was in high school, my high school was- Everybody's just insecure, man. We're all insecure. And, and weed, and that's why weed is such an interesting drug because- Alcohol is a great way to make mask, you less insecure. Make you less insecure. Weed kind of does the opposite sometimes. Makes, makes you, more, you insecure. more insecure. Yeah. Which is probably why it's banned because we can't have that if we want the matrix to be functioning. The other thing I used to think about uh, as a reason weed is illegal is like, what can you give to a soldier? You know what I mean? You, it's fine if soldiers are like drinking alcohol, getting drunk and kind of getting aggressive, right? Yeah. But if like a group of soldiers who are sent to fight in a war, they're all smoking weed. They're probably going to be like, man, this war shit is not worth it. This That's funny you said that because when I used to do military tours. It's the drug of peace. Yes. When I did military tours, they said, they gave me a list of things I can't talk about. And one of the things I was not allowed to talk about, I mean, obviously you can't talk about anything related to sexual assault or suicide 
or anti-government. Right. Or gay. Um, there goes my set. And you can't do anything about weed. Now, at the time, I had no jokes about weed. I was on tour with Tim Gaither, who is a big stoner and also a hilarious comic. Shout out to Tim Gaither. And he had a bit where he said he got pulled over by cops and the cops found his weed in like 30 seconds. And, he, and the joke was, he goes, man, I've been looking for that weed for three weeks. He got kicked off the tour for that joke. Hmm. And then we were with Bubba Sparks. Okay. On tour. You know what Bubba Sparks? He's a weed comedian? No, he's a, a musician, like a rapper. Oh. He's I... kind of like Paul Wall adjacent. Okay. Um, and oh. he was like, he was DJing like, hey man, who's, all, who's out there smoking that good shit? And the whole, you know, all the young soldiers like, yeah. And after the show, he had to get off the microphone and make an apology <laughs> to all the troops. He goes, guys... I don't condone smoking weed. It's bad for you. Oh my God. Say no to drugs. <laughs> don't smoke weed. Boo. Yeah. You know, and they, the soldiers knew what was going on. The, someone in the brass was like, listen, you can't do that. You have to apologize. That's the military for you. So, um, it's still a very weird thing because when I, I had to do a dental procedure and I went to my dentist. So I smoked weed before I went to the dentist because it was going to be painful. Yeah, okay. And I told him I was high, and he gave me this look like, ugh, you fucking piece of shit smoking <laughs> weed. So I won't yeah. give you good drugs, man. I'm going to give you a, a gas mask to inhale. Um, so I don't really know what the... And, and then with my jujitsu uh, master, one of my guys, he moved to... Um, he moved to shit, not, not Bali, what, what what one of these Indonesian places that's super fucking uh, Muslim? And every time I rolled with him, he smelled like weed. His geese smelled like weed. He was stone rolling all the time. And I saw him in class. He came back from this Indonesian country. And I said, how do you live there, man? You can't smoke weed. He's like, no, it's fine. I didn't. Uh, uh. And then the next day, my master, the sixth stand, black belt, said, Bill, you can't talk about weed in class like that. You embarrassed him in front of class. I'm like, hmm. really? So weed still does have this weird stigma. I don't know if it's ever going to change fully. I think, I think it has changed a bit for my generation. Like, I don't really see anybody having a big stigma about weed, especially out here. Yes. I think back home it's different. And I do think that there is a weird correlation that makes sense between something being legal and something be moral. Totally. Whether people can help it or not. Some people ride that line very hard. They're yeah. like, if it's illegal, it's immoral. Because when I was growing up in the 90s, I know that if I said, hey, dad, I'm gay, I don't think my dad would disown me, but he probably would have put me in conversion therapy. He probably would have recommended conversion therapy. And I think up until the late, mid, late 90s, conversion therapy wasn't considered the evil thing it was it's considered now now yeah. now if you're gay it's like nobody is oh you're gay i think yeah. maybe it's because the trans movement has gotten so big that there's yeah. there's more in a way that has been a very good thing yeah because that is um it's like the high watermark is changed the goalposts have moved yeah. like it's the overton window has shifted now if you're gay you're only like 60 percent gay you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, you're no. just gay? 
You yeah, know I mean? exactly. Now oh, everyone's, yeah, yeah. everyone's accepting gay people because they do fit into some sort of protocol that we've established as a society that is acceptable. Oh, people you're not have trans, embraced, you're gay? Right. I'm cool with that. Former have, conservative people have embraced them because it's, it's more familiar to them yes. than whatever is beyond. They're like, yeah. okay, well, we, we, we've known about gay people, right? Yeah. It's almost like the gay community created the trans community so they'd be more accepted in a weird <laughs> way. I mean, that's not what happened, obviously. No, but that's funny. So, um, so back to the idea of weed and sex. So, now that I'm re-exploring weed and I'm single and I'm trying to see what the deal is with weed and sex, I, 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 I kind of don't want to have sober sex now. I kind of want to smoke weed. I almost feel like a gay dude in the '90s smoking, uh, sniffing amyl nitrate. Like he, he, I kind of feel like if I don't, that I'm not really uh, experiencing it the way I want to experience it. Yeah, is that strange? I don't know. Do you smoke weed when you when you are intimate with ladies? Um, my. Kind of. For a while, smoking weed was the only way I could get laid. What do you mean by that? Like, I just mean, I was like, I had sex for the first time in college. And I just was kind of a stoner. Mm -hmm. And I got along with, like, stoner girls. Yeah. So, the only girls that I was, like, getting in sexual entanglements with was, like, stoner girls. Because one of the only ways that I knew how to, like, ask a girl to hang out was, like, you want to try to smoke some weed. Yes. I like. I think I was still insecure about just hanging out. Yeah. On like a date type mm -hmm. thing, but like going and smoking weed seemed casual. It seemed cool. It seemed like I, you know, it was like maybe cooler than I was. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just did. So the first couple of girls I hooked up with, they'd be like, "Yeah, let's." They're like, "You smoke, you smoke." It's like we were already friends. Like if you meet someone else who smokes, it's like, "Oh, we have something in common already." Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like boom. You're already on first base of just, but then what would happen is I would hang out with these girls and I would get high and then I would get really paranoid. Oh, So it's like they expected me to make a move because obviously we're hanging out and there's that intention because we yes. like each other. But on top of that, now I'm high and I don't know how to make a move when I'm high. I'm like, what if they're just, what if they really think that we're just smoking weed? And the, it's weird that I make a move. Yeah. And, but it would be like in their room at like 1 a.m. <laughs> smoking weed. And smoking I'd be like, weed. what if she just wants to smoke weed and chill? And they'd be just waiting. Which is, you never know. Which is also very weed mentality, which is, hey, that's okay. And that's chill. Yeah. That's chill, man. So, uh, but my first like long-term girlfriend that I met kind of smoking weed is like what we would do. So we would yeah. just go to her place and mm -hmm. take dabs. She would like get a blowtorch out and <laughs> heat up these dabs and we would get what so... What is a dab? Because I'm a virgie. A dab is like um, weed is condensed into a super potent wax, right? It's like this black gunk. It's this tar. And they put this on top of a bong type mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. And then they light a blowtorch over it and go... This is the first time I was like, oh shit, this is like a different thing. It is a different thing than weed. It's yeah. like a, the hardest weed can get. Yeah. <laughs> you go, heat it up, and then you take a little metal stick and you touch it, and there's this smoke that comes off of it, and you inhale that. Oh my God. And you get so high, it's almost paralyzing. Yeah. It's, it's like it's weed crack. Up. It's like weed crack, for sure. And then we would just have sex after that. <laughs> and we just did that for a while. Yeah, that's a and thing. And it was very fun. 
but after a while, I was like, I need to stop doing this. This is. <laughs> when I was in my twenties and I was single, going around the scene, the the protocol was always, "Hey, you want to grab a drink? Let's grab a drink." Right. Right. <clears throat> and and I was under twenty one, I think. So like. Yeah. But I could ask girls to smoke. Yes. But I couldn't do grab a drink yet. So. Yeah. Grab a drink could have changed everything. I stole some beers from 7-Eleven. Let's go back to my place. <laughs> exactly. Go but back even, to my fucking dorm. Even, even if you say, hey, let's go back to my dorm and I got some beers. Let's go hang out with my roommate. obviously a very like sexually aggressive move. And I, w- I would argue to say that 80% of sexual misconduct and sexual assault is somehow linked to alcohol. That's likely. Likely. Unless you're a sociopath. True. But I think that any th- any situation I've been in that's even been questionable sexually has probably been linked to alcohol. Right. Where I'm kind of like, hey, come on. You know, and I'm sloppy and they're sloppy and you're in college or whatever it is. Um, right. So in my 20s, I would drink a lot. And I would also, when things wouldn't come to fruition, I would find myself frustrated and it would tap into this weird, for lack of a better phrase, toxic masculinity. Where that like, that incel energy. It. That incel energy. God, I'm gonna shoot up a school now. Um, <laughs> but that, uh, that blue balls fury. And it would. And it that would, balls of fury. And then when <laughs> balls of fury. <laughs> and then it, when it wouldn't happen, when wouldn't culminate in anything, I would I would have this weird frustration. I think I would punch walls. I'd go out drunk, oh drunk my God. and punch You'd walls. Punch walls. And stuff. That's so and, funny. Yeah. That's like a meme now. It's a meme. Guy now. who punches walls. I haven't like, punched really? a wall. You're a wall puncher. I haven't punched a ball in so like that's a young. That's years. a twenty. Yeah, exactly. Too much testosterone. <laughs> yeah. Like I want to show you all how powerful I am. And about the testosterone, I've talked to Guys out a here doctor. Power fucking walls. I do- talked to a doctor about this weed, which people don't want to talk about. Right. But marijuana does block the production of testosterone. Really? Yes, it does. So I think that the idea of being a wake and bake or, or a weed all day type of person, I think that... How long does it block it? I mean, if you're smoking all the time, it's just you're it's in a just constant state of blocking your weed. Yeah, which I makes, feel It's that. like your sperm production goes down, which is linked to your testosterone production. And um, so it's a weird, uh, what's it called? It's a, it's a, it's a mix of, of two conflicting things. It's a, it's a collusion of... of the relaxation that can lead to intimacy is also matched by a lack of testosterone, which will make your need for sex less. Right. Or your drive, which can also be great because it means you're less aggressive sexually. Mm-hmm. You're not pushy. I feel like most of the time, if I, when I've smoked weed and I have been intimate with someone, I pretty much am on my back when everything starts. You know what I mean? I would say very few physical assaults arise from the smoking of weed yeah it almost i almost feel more guilty for things when i'm high you know yeah like committing a crime or uh you know infringing on someone yeah when you're high it's like uh oh wow this is when you're high it feels like god's watching yeah it's like for lack of a better term like whether you believe in anything you whatever that part of you is is like hey man yeah Take the higher path, bro. Well, your higher self is definitely watching. But some people are just vagabonds no matter what, you know? Yeah, that's true. And I also think if you smoke too much, then everything becomes a big miasma of like, uh, whatever, man, it's fine. But I do think if you smoke yeah, if you're too high, you're just out of complete, yes. you know, reality. Yeah. 
And also the problem is sometimes if you smoke weed, and it's not a problem, but I've smoked intense weed with someone who's smoking intense weed. And while we were uh, bonding, they, they've uh, become emotional. Mm. And they start crying, and that's that's a crazy thing to experience. Because then you're like, "What do you? Yeah. What do you? Are, are you okay? Are, are you? Are you? are paranoid?" Kicks in. Like, what are you crying about? They're like, "No, I'm just crying because." And they'll say, "I just start thinking about my dog, or yeah, <laughs> or or I just haven't been with someone for a while, and I, you know, I'm overcome." So there's all sorts of like weird emotions that can happen with weed that um that that can really mess with you. So I, I'm I'm still trying to figure it out. I did Google a lot of like what weed is good for sex mm. right okay every time i go to a shop a store and buy weed i'm always curious about that and there's all these different websites that show the type of weed and um what i found is i like the same weed that makes me hate myself yeah and look in the mirror and go Ugh, is also the weed that i liked to smoke when i'm having sex which i don't know what that means hmm. but in the best case scenario your higher self and your normal self are like cool with each other yeah. when it's going on. Like, this is okay. Like your higher self is like, it's okay. She's cool. She's into you. You guys are connecting. It's fine. Right. And sometimes your higher self will be like, you shouldn't be in this situation. Here's right the now. thing. I don't think weed is good. Weed is great if you've already had sex. You know what I mean? Mm. Like if you're already with someone and you know something's going to happen, then yeah. it's like, oh, we're high and we already are on the same page. Yes. But when you're not sure what page the other person's on, then like the weed, it makes that communication more difficult sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Some, also, the weird thing with weed is like with alcohol, if you drink too much, maybe you throw up, right? And you can kind of get it out of your system. But with weed, if you smoke, too, you're just too high yes. for a certain amount of time. There's yes. no un, there's no way to reverse. Yeah. <laughs> like the first time I ever smoked out of a, a gravity bong. I don't know if you know what that is. I don't is. know what a gravity... I don't know anything about weed, so, really. So, gravity bong is essentially when you take a two... I think it was like a two-gallon Deer Park plastic bottle. Uh-huh. You cut off the bottom. Uh-huh. You drill a <laughs> hole in the top so that... And you put a uh, a drill bit in there with a little pocket. Uh-huh. Or, or it's a socket or something like that. And uh, you stuff that with weed... And then what you do is you fill up a larger bucket with water. <laughs> this is very scientific. Wow, it is. Dude, weed makes you into a scientist. Yeah. I've never constructed a more elaborate camouflage than when I would hide weed in my dorm freshman year. I had like it, it was inside of a bag, inside of a pen uh -huh. that was inside of a larger pen. Yeah. Inside of like a, like a. But why would you camouflage proof? it? Just so if no one could find it, because it would be, it would get me in trouble. Okay, because people usually camouflage weed like that because they're worried about dogs. I was. I was worried about any smell. <laughs> I was like, not going to fuck up my shit. Anyways, so we're making this gravity bong. And essentially, you fill it with water and you use the suction of the water uh -huh. as the bottle is being pulled up mm -hmm. to um, take in every single tiny little bit of smoke that could possibly be taken. Yeah out of this thing none is wasted and then you take off the top and they handed it to me and I, you're only just supposed to take a hit of the full load because this is yeah. two gallons worth of weed at this point yeah and i didn't know that i thought you were supposed to smoke the whole thing like a bong so i took it all in at one time and then everyone in the room was just looking at me mm -hmm. like what did you just do <laughs> and i was like what and then i coughed for like 20 minutes yeah and then 
I just started slipping into the darkness. Oh, no. Like, everyone was <laughs> looking at me like, are you good? Are you good, dude? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, I was saying things like, I don't know if I'll ever come back. Because <laughs> I felt my yeah. brain being eaten by an abyss. Like, yeah. my personality would slip away and it would never be the same. Yeah. I felt like this deep, dark fear of death. Yeah. Just consuming. I get that. And then I threw up. Because that was my body's only response. This yeah. was very dramatic. This was like my sophomore year of college. I'm surprised you came back from that. I know. Um, and then I threw up and everyone was like, oh my God, <laughs> what do we do? What do we do? This is other college kids too. So they're like not trying to get in trouble. Yeah. We were not going to call anybody. I was like, just leave me be. And I went into the bathroom and I just laid on the floor for like two hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I had a similar. Now, whenever you do go to weed shops and you say, hey, um, I want to be intimate with a lady consensually, what do you recommend? And they usually say take an edible because it gives mm -hmm. you a quote unquote body high. So my experience with edibles was this, and I might have talked about this before. I did a film called Before the Sun Explodes on Amazon Prime, shot partially at the Laugh Factory. Also, check out our previous episode with the <laughs> director Deborah, of that. Yeah, Deborah yeah. Eisenhower. She doesn't know about this story, actually. So there is a scene in the movie where my character, and if you watch the movie, please watch the movie and give it five stars, by the way. Uh, <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's a good movie. Um, there's a scene where my character, who is a, a 40-year-old uh, man in a bad relationship, who's with a young comic at her apartment and she's smoking from a bong and i smoke from and I'm, I'm obviously don't know what the fuck i'm doing yeah i don't know how to smoke bomb i wasn't really smoking weed that much at this point at all really was everyone laughing at you so this is what happened so um the uh i was like i gotta i want to get i asked the director and the producer i said can i smoke some actual weed for this can we smoke weed i'm so cinema veritas i'm a method actor can we smoke weed <laughs> cinema veritas and, and they said and they were like no fucker like that's not professional <laughs> so i called mike david who's the the laugh factory bon vivant, the neighbor the neighbor and i said hey can you get me some weed and he goes i can get you some edibles i never had an edible before and he dropped it out in front of the apartment where we were filming, like in some bushes I was going to pick up. And it was a Rice Krispie treat. Oh, boy. Right? So I was like, oh, cool, Rice Krispie treat. We're about to shoot. And it's going to be about an hour and a half. So wow. I ate the entire sure. Rice Krispie the treat. Thing. Because that's what you do with rice. It's like, <laughs> what, you eat one Pop-Tart? What are you, a maniac? If, yeah. you're, if you eat one Pop-Tart, you're a fucking psychopath. That's bizarre <laughs> to me. You got to have one package, maybe two, maybe the whole box. You can eat one and a half. You can? Some people eat one and a half. Some people eat one and a half and then they're like full. But the idea okay. that you have the self-control yeah. to turn back at one, mm -hmm. if yeah. you're not splitting it, yeah, insanity. Insanity. So I ate the, the whole thing. Ones? Insanity. Insanity. <laughs> and my character is in the bathroom trying to... Uh, gin up some courage to make a move on this girl right yeah so he's looking at, and i was so high yeah in the bathroom i mean i was lying <laughs> on the bathroom floor my head was spinning and there's also a weird thing with weed where i don't know if it is with alcohol maybe the same thing but there's a part of your brain that's holding on to your sobriety 
with tenacious falcon grips where it's just going like no man you got this you're cool you're fine you're just a little dizzy dude your brain is still you know so i'm going i'm not i'm not high i'm not high i'm I'm matching this i'm not i'm not high magic but i was fucking baked yeah then they call action i come out of the room i take the bong which just had tobacco on it i smoke the bong and i'm so high during this scene and i'm telling you if you watch the movie and you watch the scene you can tell that I'm really fucking high. And it's so fucking effective. Yeah. Because there's a scene where she's talking about playing, like making a documentary about a f- softball team. Uh-huh. And I just look at her and go, what? It was so, <laughs> it was so authentic because I think that's really what I was thinking. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Um, and we, we shot the whole thing. And they was, didn't know. They didn't know, but when we when I was leaving, they're like, my, "This guy's good at being high." <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a great actor. Yeah. First of all, n- if you can avoid it, never act. Just make yourself whatever. <laughs> if you're if you're kidnapped, just fucking be kidnapped. Like I, I've done I've done TV sh- shows where they wanted to handcuff me or tie me to a chair. Mm-hmm. Um, the following was one of them, and they put like fake tape. I was like tape me up yeah gag my mouth i want to hurt tape me up. i don't want to be able to get out of this chair unless a, a grip comes and saws me out of it and the people in charge of that are like and they're like all right we're all right, dude fuck i remember i told the guy God. too i was like i was like hey listen man you're like hey tape me up tape yeah me yeah up and i told the guy who was uh like beating me in the interrogation chair i said spit in my face man <laughs> what the fuck i said spit in my face he's like what what do 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 you sure i was like yeah man Actors are so Dude, weird. Love it. <laughs> spit in my so face. He fucking, and he gave me, he got like Did a, I stutter? <laughs> spit in my fucking I face. I like whispered it to him. I was like, hey man. I was like, oh, yeah. move my chair. I'll tape the chair. Inched yeah. over like, hey man, just spit in my face next time. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> so he spit in my face and he got like one of those oh. from the bowels of the, his. What? Like, like a big oh, that's loogie. And just, you got to at that point be like, whoa. Dude. And he fucking smacked. And I. Because I said, like, I'll go fuck yourself or whatever. And he spit in my face. And that's the take we used. <laughs> he spit in my face and then he blows my head off. Ends up, they cut part of the scene. So it's a small scene where he spits in my face for no fucking reason, basically. Um, but, but they uh, still use it. They still use it. So, um, so uh, you're a little bit of, you got a little director streak in you as oh, an actor. Like, you you need to have a little control. Well, yeah. That's what me and Deborah were talking about in the last podcast, too. Because... It's hard. It's particularly when you're a comic, it means you're also a writer. Yes, true. And if you're also a writer, you're creating your own stuff. There, there's a reason. You want to bring a creativity to it. Look, there's a reason why there are certain comics who are at the top, top of their game, like Brian Regan mm-hmm. or uh, Sebastian Maniscalco or yeah. people like that, who, for whatever reason, they haven't had their own series yet. They haven't um, blown up as movie stars yet, although Sebastian is now doing that and Brian Regan as well. But Partly because they they have their voice and yeah. their point of view, and now here's a script where you have to read other people's shit, and you're like, uh, it just it feels like we're in an ill-fitting suit or something. Especially just, for like Regan or something, because it's like uh, he's already so successful. It's like if he doesn't want to read other people's material, he doesn't have to. Yes, he's like yes. I could leave here right now and go do a f- sold-out theater of people who want to hear my shit. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, I don't, for some reason, I think if you're that, I could understand why if you're that big in the game, for example, Rogan, like Rogan has zero interest in acting. And I right. think if you're a comic who has zero interest in acting, that's actually really 
kind of cool because they're not the same thing. No. On some level, they're the opposite thing. And if you're lucky enough, like Tiffany Haddish and Girls Trip, you can the director can be in love with you as a performer and be like, go, go, Tiffany. And she can tell her true story in Girls Trip about taking a shit in someone's shoe. Yeah. Which that monologue is, I think, what is what really blew her up because mm -hmm. it's such a crazy, unbridled, unfettered monologue that was so weird and so true to who she was. But it was just her. Not like whoever it was, Malcolm Lee or whoever like, wrote that. I think that's beautiful, though, because in a way... The director is very smart to say this is a very talented stand-up comedian who's been honing this voice, this craft for so long. I'm going to use it, yeah, because it's brilliant and it fits the script I have. Yes, yes. you know, it's almost a perfect fitting puzzle piece. Yeah, it is. Same thing like a uh, Dove Davidoff. I had a, a friend who did a commercial with Dove Davidoff. It was like a Clorox commercial, right? And he was just making jokes all the time. Like, hey, what the fuck you put that in the sink for? It's just going to ruin everything. And the director's like, cut, cut. We got to do it. He's like, hey, you want me to improv? Like, you can't curse. Um, <laughs> but it's it's hard when you got to like, you know, again, it's the idea of the clock orange. You are this, you're an orange, you're fruit, you're organic, you're life. Yeah. And now you have to mechanize it with someone else's words, someone else's line, the director's intention, the DP's camera. It, it, it's sort of hard to find the perfect balance. And if you are a comic who gets that opportunity mm -hmm. and whenever that happens, it's, it's like, it's magic. Like Tiffany has, I mean, other examples where comics have, uh, Jim Carrey, obviously. I mean, Jim Carrey is incredible. Jim yes. Carrey and Robin Williams, both. It's like, they're just entertainers. Yes. And they were obviously with directors who are like, go, yeah, go, go do you. And when you see a comic <laughs> who's given that access it's fucking magic. You can't really beat it. You know For what sure. I mean? Um, so what the fuck were we talking about right now? Oh yeah, so the edible. So I was so high and I was leaving the set with Sarah Butler, my mm -hmm. co-star. No one knows you're high. You got no. through the whole scene. Got through the whole scene. No one knows high. I'm leaving with Sarah Butler and it's in, in the middle of the day and I'm walking out with her and I'm, I'm like, she knows. <laughs> she, cause she's, I'm like, she's looking at me funny. She's looking at me right. sideways. She knows I'm fucked up. God damn it. And she's looking at me going like, what did you do up there? You're fucking, you're, you're a naughty boy. You're, oh my God. You're unprofessional. But she didn't, and I was Bill's like, what? I, I, I said, it was cool. See, it was good, right? It was good. It was good, right? And she was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, mm, yeah, you sure? <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. So I'm like, this guy's crazy. Yeah. And then. You sure about that? Yeah. So then it was really fucked up because. That was all my stuff. She had a huge monologue the next day. And she said, Bill, can I come and work on the monologue? Can we work on the monologue together? Yeah. I said, yeah, come. And this is when I was living right next door, um, the room right next to the room. And I said, yeah, come over. And I said, <laughs> and I tried to pretend, because I was a little bit more of an experienced actor than her. So I said, hey, let's just do an exercise where we lie down on the couch, I had a sectional couch, we lie head to head, and we close our eyes and we read the scene. Now, that sounds like a good acting exercise. What it was was I was too fucked up because it was after I'd done the edible. Right. To stand and to keep my eyes open. And this was the same day? This is the same day because her stuff was the next wow. day. Okay. But I'm still fucking so high. high because uh -huh. what people don't realize about edibles if they haven't done them is you have to digest an edible. And Shit. I have to digest an entire Rice Krispie treat. It's like four to five hours sometimes. Oh. Yeah. I mean... This was, I would say, closer to 
24 hours because I was high oh the my next God. day. Yeah. For sure. And you're probably super sensitive to Super sensitive, yeah. yes. Because I hadn't done it. So I'm in there and we we ran the stuff and then she left. And the next day she told Deborah, she goes, oh yeah, we worked on the monologue. I was at Bill's for an hour and a half working. I was like, you were an hour and a half? Mm. I literally thought it was 20 minutes. I had no concept that we were sitting there on the couch for an hour and a half right. working on this monologue. Anyway, so <laughs> that night after Sarah left, um, I was like, I'm gonna take a shower. I'll feel better. I took a shower. I got my towel. I'm lying in bed. And I'm like, why is this not abating at all? Why do I still feel fucked up? Yeah. Justin Martindale, shout out Justin Martindale, was here with another comic out in the yard. And I came out and I said, hey, uh, do you guys ever take edibles? And they're like, Jess is like, yeah. I go, I took an edible. I had a whole Rice Krispie treat. I feel really fucked up. How is this going to last? I was like David after the dentist. I'm like, is this going to last forever? Yeah. Like, no. Jess was like, no, you're going to, it's just going to, there's some weird, I think there's raccoons. That's what it is. I think there's one rat and a raccoon. Oh, really? Go get that rat raccoon. So... <laughs> Just it's outside. We're outside right now. Yeah. So yeah. Laugh factory isn't that bad. So um the uh so and then he goes he goes, you need to digest it, it'll go away soon. And I okay, cool, cool. And I went back in the room. I came out Sorry. probably five now you're paranoid because you've been smoking I'm weed. paranoid. I'm just looking around. We're fine. Uh he I came out probably five more times and said, Guys, I'm still high. How long is this gonna last? And then I'd go back out, come out, guys, is this going to last forever? Like I thought my brain, like you said, I thought my brain was irreparably damaged. Right. Because of this edible. I think you end up, the more you smoke weed or do any type of drug, you realize, oh, this will end. You, you gain yes. like a weed maturity. Yes. Of like, this will end. I've been here before. I just have to ride it out. Yes. And it's a calm in your mind that causes you not to really freak out. Yes. And once you hit that level, there are a lot of people who are like, oh, I don't smoke weed. I get too paranoid on weed. And I kind of feel like saying, or they say, this is what they say. They say, weed makes me insecure. And now my argument is weed doesn't make me insecure. Weed you are just insecure. illuminates your insecurities in a way that you have to deal with them. is good. Because you got to right. deal with them somehow. Wouldn't you rather deal with it when you're like stoned with people yeah. who like you? Totally. Than out in the world? Lately, sometimes I, I feel like I have less fun on weed if I'm already stressed or have something to do. Yes. Because then I fixate on it. So I still love smoking weed if I'm just chilling with friends for the night. And I'm just, yeah. I leave myself a responsibility. Weed yeah. with responsibility can be a bad combo sometimes. Yes, exactly. So, um, yeah, so I vowed after that point, I was like, I'm never going to do edibles again. I, I just don't think the edibles... As much as I have more weed maturity now, and I think I'd be able to like talk myself through it and be like, hey, it's not. You should do it, it again. It, it can be fun, but only, once again, only if you're doing something like take an edible and go to the MoMA or some shit, you know, go to a museum, go to the beach with no obligations, go see a yeah. movie, you know, but don't like take it if you got to do something, especially not if you're working. Yeah. <laughs> it's also hard though when you're a comic. And you're in a state where you believe that your job is always to work and always to improve and always to do something. Right. To take a day at the beach and just smoke weed. I feel that way too. I'm often too stressed 
like the life of an and I don't want to say I have the life of an artist, but you do, man. I do, I do. I I hustle constantly. It never leaves my mind. The life of it is like it's all on you. Yeah. You're like, I have chosen this more difficult path. Yeah. This path where I'm in a small boat that only I'm you know, like my parents used to make this analogy of like the big boat and the little boat. Mm-hmm. Like you can live the corporate life, right? And you're on this big boat and the boat is just going to keep moving. Yeah. And uh, as long as you do your job, you got a spot on the boat and it's like all the responsibility of all that is taken care of. But on the little boat, you can move faster and you can go wherever you want, but every stroke is your own. You know what I mean? Wow. That's profound shit your parents laid on you. Every paddle is your responsibility. If there's a storm, you got to deal with it. Yeah. You know? So I find it very hard to, to smoke weed during the day at all. Yeah. Because... I think, um, man, I have, I have all this, oh, I have emails, I have phone calls to make, I have clubs I got to contact to try to headline, I got to do this and that. Um, so I can never really escape that during the day. Yeah. The reason I started doing weed more religiously, no pun intended, was because I was finding myself addicted to Ambien. Mm. Now, they say Ambien isn't truly addictive, but I was finding myself yeah, in bullshit. bed at night going... Man, I have pills with Ambien right there, and I can't sleep. There's That's what the, quick Am- the Ambien lobby wants you to think, that yeah. it's not addictive, you know? Yeah. There's been so much bullshit with the pharmaceutical industry, just like mm-hmm. pushing pills on people. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really believe anything they say at this point. Yeah, and I remember <laughs> when I first started doing Ambien too. there's a lot of talk about sex on Ambien, and there's a movie called Role Models, where Sean Thomas, whatever, I don't know, he... Yeah, Sean Thomas. Ambien. He does. He does. Uh, he has weed in the in the woods. He does three ambient and he just starts tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I've done some bad tweets. I got to delete those when I've been on ambient. But um, and also you send some emails on ambient that f- just diminish into. <laughs> what it, wouldn't that be kind of a funny visual if it's like um, oh God, what what was her name? Was it Roseanne? Roseanne Barr. I'm so hot. Right. It's Roseanne's tweet that was like racist. Yeah. But then below it says sponsored by Ambien, like <laughs> as the as the Twitter promo. How come she didn't like, get away with saying that she was on Ambien? That wasn't enough of an excuse. Well, people were like, Ambien doesn't make you racist. Well, that is a solid point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It, is a it just good reveals point. your racism. Right. In a way. Busted, motherfucker. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, um, I, that's the game. And baby. then I had a weird experience with Ambien where I, there was a, a, a lady, I was in New York, mm-hmm. um, a young girl that I had never hooked up with. I had a crush on, I'd taken her to a play. I'd done all this cool stuff with her. And that night we went back to my place and we were watching quick draw on Hulu and she was on the couch next to me. This is when I had an apartment with like a living room and a bedroom so it was less creepy to invite <laughs> right. people over and um i think i uh, yawn put my arm uh, whatever i try to make some sort of very casual not very cogent move and she was like look i'm not going to sleep with you okay and i said i get it it's totally cool um and it was kind of late i said i think i said i'm going to go to bed and i took an ambient right and i go into my bedroom uh-huh. And I was like, I said, you can stay. And she comes in the bed next to me. Um, and we start making out. Now I'm, I took a full ambient at this point. Right. And I'm starting going like. Falling asleep? 
just I'm I'm swimming, right? I'm swimming. And swimming. Kids, like, Explain swimming my, to me. My, I don't know. I guess my head is kind of... You're kind of like blackout drunky-ish, kind of. Like things are not... But this is what happened. She started... We started kissing and then she started going down on me. Oh. And down south. Down south. And then she, you know, started doing that. And that is the last thing I remember. Hmm. Now... I don't know what happened. Okay. After that, um, I do know that I never saw her again. Did you now, see her in the morning? I think she left before I woke up, huh. and then I called her, and she—it wasn't weird, but she just never wanted to see me again. So I don't know what happened. Maybe I started saying weird shit. Maybe I started doing weird shit. I have no idea. We never had sex, obviously, but like, I, I don't know. Maybe it just she didn't like what she saw. Maybe you just kind of like blacked out in a weird way. <laughs> I don't know. That So then that made me think maybe the ambient and sex thing is a bad idea. So I haven't had that happen with weed yet. I don't think like weed, I don't think you, I don't think you lose contact with the present moment during weed if you're intimate with someone. No. But I do think the present moment comes and goes. Like you're present sure. with someone and then you're thinking about something completely different and then you're present with them and you kind of like, and going back and forth like yeah, that is, yeah, is sort of- Yeah, that's a good observation. And that's that's actually when I was doing Tantra and stuff, that was part of the thing with Tantra is that you go into a meditative state where that the, the intercourse you're having with someone is actually, um, you're, you're part of some- uh, God damn it. You're, you're part of an energy that isn't really yours. That's like a collective energy that you guys have created and that you're not in control of it hmm. and that you can forget that you're having sex. And sometimes you can actually f sort of fall asleep and then wake up and keep having sex, but you're sort of still <laughs> having sex while you fall asleep and then wake up and it's okay. a very, and then lasts for like a long time. So I think that we does kind of mimic that idea. It does kind of take your brain to weird places, but then your higher self goes, hey man, it's okay that you're in a different space right now because you're still here. And then you snap back. And then, then when you snap back, you're really connected to the person for mm -hmm. a moment. And then you snap back again. And sometimes you look at them and they look like, a different version of themselves, like a younger version, like a more innocent version. Then you see them like, wow, man. I you know see what, a whole life. Yeah. I see everything that you're about. I see your insecurities. I see. Interesting. I would say for sure that like whenever I'm high, I consider the consequences of a human life mm. more. Like I think when I'm drunk, I'm thinking in very much in the moment, right? Where I'm like, oh, let's hook up. Like if I'm, with a girl or something like let's hook up i see them as they are in the moment yes but when i'm really high with a girl i see them as a life like a lifetime wow that's right like i'm like you have lived a childhood and a middlehood and you have a future yes. yeah i think that a re reason why meditation has become such a huge thing in american culture right now and you'd agree with that, right? I think meditation is, yeah. is I mean, much more mainstream. Especially out here. I think maybe it's a little bit LA bubbly, but definitely bigger than it has been. Yeah, and there's so many apps for it, and a lot of people get into transcendental meditation now. I mean, Howard Stern talks about that a lot. Jim Carrey talks about that. And I think that the idea about a lot of this 
meditation is it's a way to fully be present in the moment with your breath and with your heartbeat and with the person without the poles of what you have to do, what your work is. I mean, that's the idea is that you, you, you're able to create a vacuum of silence and stillness in your brain right. that isn't connected to all the worries and stresses of the day where you can really be right there in the moment. And that's what meditation does. But I think that's also, weed is kind of like a shortcut for that. And that's, and Tantra is a form of meditation. So I think that um, that's why people drink. That's why people do any drug because you can't do a drug and actually not be present in the moment because you're experiencing what your body is experiencing. Yeah. It, it's hard to be high and be like, oh man, I got this work I got to do tomorrow. And if you do think that, it'll like snap back. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So, Tommy, have you had a weird experience with weed? Have you had a weird intimacy issue with weed before where you felt like, uh, where it turned on you? Um, I don't know. Probably. I, I find myself... <laughs> well, I went on this date recently with this girl who wanted to smoke weed. And this was out in LA. I just met her briefly on like an app or something. <laughs> And we went up to her balcony mm-hmm. to smoke weed. Yeah. And um, we did. And I remember I got, I was like, fuck, I'm too high. Like, it was the same scenario that I often get myself into. It's like, now I'm too high and now I have to close. Now I have to close this kiss or this night or whatever it is. Because mm-hmm. it's been a nice date. Now we're up here on the balcony mm-hmm. looking over. You know, this is the spot where yeah, I got to make a Yeah, you're on the balcony. You're smoking weed. But like, uh, we had just finished the weed. And now I'm like now like instantly i was like i am too high to know how to and and so i think we just we got in this position of anticipation (laughs) where i think she was like she opened a window of opportunity Uh and i was too high to be like i don't want to go for it right now because i'm too high yes so i just stood there and it was like (laughs) just an awkward silence for like a minute yeah and i was like all right um fucking uh, inside so then we went inside and i in- immediately recognized that the energy had changed yes. like i was like fuck like something is different now but now i have what new hell awaits me and i'm still ripped <laughs> and she's like okay so what do you want to do and i was like i'm so high we're in her apartment yes and i was like i don't know just maybe just sit on the couch <laughs> she's like okay yeah. So then we sat on the couch and she's like, I'm going to go into my room. I'll be back in a second. I was like, okay. She went in and was like, I got to do something. Maybe I'll. So she sat back on the couch and I went in for the kiss. And she's like, nah. Oh, man. And then she sent me home and I was like, oh. You think that was the moment? That I was think the moment. there was a moment and then it passed. And then she kind of, maybe she was high now too. And now she's recalibrating. Huh. She's like, maybe I don't, you know. So, yeah. So then I just like sat in my car and I'm too high to drive. So I'm just sitting in my car. I just getting kicked out of this apartment. <laughs> and now I, you're super paranoid. I think I called one of my old friends. I was like, I just need to talk to someone. <laughs> Did you ever talk to her about it? Never. I don't think I ever talked to her again. I never saw her again. No, it was like this awkward thing. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I want to go back. <laughs> yeah. That. I would like to have Rachel Wolfson back on the podcast because she is a weed connoisseur. She's a guru. She's kind of a guru with weed. <laughs> she's a young lady, but boy, every time I've asked her for advice, she's really spot on. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
and she is high all of the time. But the cool thing about having a friend like Rachel is because I I could never, uh, you know, I, that's not someone that I would ever obviously date because um, that life is just is just too much for you me. You couldn't live the weed life. I couldn't, you couldn't keep I couldn't, up. I couldn't keep up. I couldn't weed. But I but I, I acknowledge it. I appreciate it. And and the fact that she smokes as much as she does and is is sort of prolific as she is and works for some people there is a wisdom and perspective to be gained yes from the lifestyle i have cut back a decent bit just because i need one foot in reality or my life will be a shambles i'm already too add as it is yeah and then people like people like think about someone like joe rogan who smokes all the time think about how productive he is i could never ever be that productive uh, smoking during the day and then also in jujitsu there are a lot of people the 10th planet jujitsu system which joe rogan where he's a black belt uh they they will smoke weed before they roll jujitsu and i have like an old school brazilian jujitsu master and we share a studio or a dojo with the 10th planet guys and sometimes we'll cross pollinate and we'll roll with them they'll roll with us and they will literally go out in the parking lot oh they'll go out and fucking smoke up and then get back on the mat and roll which is crazy to me originally are they like real old old hardened guys no these are young kids man oh. these are like silver leg they're people like you tommy they're like young woke hipster guys they're not aggressive they're not the type of guy you'd be I have afraid one of, of my best uh one of my best friends is literally a dude who does jujitsu and smokes a lot of weed yeah but he stopped smoking weed recently because he's getting back into jujitsu. But he oh, used really? to. I think it's fun. It's like a little chess game for them. Yeah. Like it's less personal. It's less physical. It's more of like, ooh, I'm just having fun. Yeah. Doing jujitsu. So I've never. I'm definitely going to get high and do jujitsu someday. Not yet. Maybe when I'm a black belt, I'll, I'll I'll feel connected enough. But right now, I'm still learning it. So I do think this though. This relates back to sex. I think that smoking before you roll jujitsu is similar to smoking before you have sex. Sure. Because you're much less, less self-conscious about what you're going to do. What, what but you're more you're self-conscious about who you are when you're doing it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, you, but things will happen like all of a sudden you'll notice how you're breathing and that'll be the only thing that you'll notice. Right. You might... Like when you're drinking beer, you're all like titties, you know, <laughs> but when you're high, you might be like collarbone, elbow, you know, yeah, yeah, fucking thigh meat. What's going on? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You might, you might poke a spine. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You might S- notice a knuckle. Yeah. And I think that when you're totally sober and you're in your weird right angle style brain and you're having sex, you can be like, Okay, we're having sex posi- this yeah. position. Let's try a different position. Okay, yeah. let's try this other position. Do we like this position? Oh man, maybe she doesn't like it. I feel bad. As opposed to when you're on weed, you're just like, yeah, we're doing this, we're doing this. <laughs> Woo! It's all fun, man. It's all one. And then if things are, if or things- sometimes it's stressful. I've had negative weed sexes where oh. I'm, where I'm having sex and I'm just like. Uh, like I'm almost dissociating <laughs> from it and I'm like oh dude that's usually if I'm like not sure about the person I'm having sex with yes like so I want to get high and have sex with someone that I trust yes you have if I to. don't trust someone and I'm having sex with them high then it, it makes me uncomfortable yeah and sometimes I feel like weed is like having a dog or a cat <laughs> because no listen 
Listen, let's smoke a little bit more while we discuss this. <laughs> like like this a separate part intense. of your brain that's a cat? No, I'll, t- I'll tell you what it is. I've had a cat. I had a cat. I like cats. I fuck with cats. I've had dogs too, motherfuckers. I'm a goddamn man. I have a cat. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Shit, motherfucker. What, what is this? My cat's badass. This if my cat. Pet owner who. But check this out. <laughs> but your cat, and I think your dog too, can uh-huh. also sort of be your higher self. Like dogs can sense evil. Yeah, yeah. You know? like, Cats like can too. My, my parents. Their first date, my mom invited him over to meet her dog. And she was like, if my dog likes you, yes, well, you can 100%. take me out. 100%. That's crazy. If my higher self on weed likes you, right. then we're cool. <laughs> if my cat likes you, we're cool. My I cat that's was why the- sometimes in college it's like weed is an interesting first date. Because it's like if we vibe when we're high, then there's some kind of soul connection. Yes. Here's something I've never told anyone. I had a cat named Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> this cat was so dope. Little fluffy, uh, is uh, a Munchkin cat. Okay. Quarter Munchkin. Now, if you don't know what a Munchkin cat is, they're so cute. They're like shorter legs, short, but they have big poofy face. They look look like kittens. She was like twelve, looked like a kitten. If I had sex with a girl mm-hmm. in my apartment, and the cat and Ashley came on the bed like, and like cuddled on the girl or cuddled on me, then I'm like, we created cool cat energy here. Yeah. The cat is down with what's going on. Okay. And this, and this definitely deserves more exploration with this person. Right. If I had sex with someone and the cat never got on the bed and s- stayed the fuck away, I'm like, something's wrong. I'm telling you. I was literally like, she failed the cat test. You had a lady in the house. You know what I mean? Yeah. The cat was this, this matriarch. Yeah. The cat was and like. she would give a Roman emperor's yay or nay mm-hmm. to each mm-hmm. new contestant <laughs> and this is when i really knew this one girl was a good girl and now she's married with a kid and stuff but i had such a crush on her she was on top of me while we were having sexuals this is long before my wee days you but were my having cat, sexuals i haven't had sexuals okay she's on top and all of a sudden she jumped off of me like she was on fire lady lady okay yeah lady what are you talking about <laughs> Jesus. She identified as she, and she was born as she. No, she I just mean the lady jumped. The lady like jumped, and she was like on top of me. She like <gasps> jumped off. I was like, what? It's a cat. I know, I'm big. Cat had licked her asshole. Oh. The cat, I looked at the cat sitting there like, with, his tongue, with her tongue out, just like, hey, man, I'm joining in on the fun. <sighs> Jesus Christ. And I was like, <laughs> what do you mean? What did I do? I didn't lure the cat there. You had a threesome with a cat, Bill. This is the closest I've had How to a many, threesome in a long time. In, you know, in a way, what you're describing is you are only interested in having sex if it's a threesome with a cat. <laughs> That's what you just described to me. No, but you're I like, also say... Yeah, that. if there wasn't a cat watching, I was like, fuck this, no, bro. The cat, it wasn't that the cat would watch yeah. and give notes afterwards. No interest in continuing this relationship unless my cat's If down. the cat didn't jump in afterwards in the post-coital glow... Then, then there was no postcode glow because my cat was. You very wanted attuned. a witness to your sexual exploits, and the only witness you could find was a cat. <laughs> but the cat, the cat, the cat. But my cat would be on the bed with us, and we were. And the cat would be like, "Oh," and the cat would piss off. But afterwards, the cat would hop back on if it was like. Did you ever get worthy... high and think, "What if this cat is a robot from the CIA and they're watching me through like an eyeglass?" I uh, definitely never got that high. Yeah, good. But meanwhile, good. when I had that a cat, would fuck you up. I wasn't smoking weed during the cat days. 
See, that's what would happen to me. I would start <laughs> thinking, I would be like, this cat is a robot. You would not think it's that. It's recording me and sending it to the CIA. I would put the cat in another room. So. And I'd stuff pillows under it to block audio. Yeah. But since then, since I've had this communion with my cat, and I do believe in, that animals are tapped into some higher consciousness. Mm -hmm. Not all of them, but a lot of them are. The ones that are real animals and not robots. Yeah. The ones that aren't <laughs> CI-sponsored robots. They're tapped into... So, I've definitely met women and been on dates where I've met their dog. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, like, the only way... How this do you feel? Like, do you get nervous before meeting a dog? No, because I, t I tell you why. Because I know my energy is good, bruh. Dude, same. I Literally, don't get nervous. People are like, I have a dog. I'm like, the dog's going to love me. Yeah, 100%. I'm like, I connect and with they dogs. Go, they go... <laughs> My dog hates every man. I go, watch. I get that too. And I'm watch. like, I'm like not even worried about it. Because you know what the dogs want though? And this is very Caesar Milan. Dogs want an alpha to come in there and go, yo, dog, we're cool, but I'm the fucking alpha. I'm the fucking dog. Nah. I'm the alpha. She's my mate. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're going to be my boy. You're fucking dog. But you're beta theta. You'll never forget it. You're a dog. <laughs> but not in a bad wait, way. Wait, what is your approach to meeting a dog? Okay. So this is, this is, if you guys are meeting a dog for the first time, a lady's dog, and women are very connected to their dogs. I mean, men are connected to their dogs, but women can be connected to dogs. And, and when you have sex with a woman, the dog point. feels it. Yeah. Oh, first of all, if you, dogs do not want you having sex with their woman. Especially a male dog. My cat was all about me having sex with other women. My cat was like, let's do this. Your cat was fucking... My cat was a horny little bitch. A little voyeur. So, um, but dogs... A do I believe that dog still has his... It's balls intact. That dog does not want you around. So mm -mm. That dog, a mad be... dog with a thick sack. <laughs> <laughs> so this little, this little poodle is with this nice lady. She had a little poodle. Um, I wonder if this little, and she's a, this, oh my God, he's such a cock block. He hates every guy, but he sleeps in my bed every night. And I was like, I got this. So when I walk into the apartment, the dog says, rawr, 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 little ass poodle, right? Yeah. I was like, all right, I know, it's, I know how to do this. So I, I, you know, you you put the hand, you put the the flat of your top of your hand out okay. for your dog to sniff it. A little That's defensive because you they might bite, right? You gotta tough skin out. You, you lower yourself, but you offer a piece. And they give and your dog, the dog, he came and he sniffed and he walked right, he barked more, and I right. said, "That's step one. Mm -hmm. Squat and offer the top of your hand. Have him sniff it. Step two is this. Now I went to her bedroom. The dog's lying your back." Show the dog your belly. Tell the dog, hey, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm giving you my belly. A little insecure chihuahua or mango, wherever those fucking pomegranate dogs are. Yeah, they're going to come over. They're going to be like, okay. That's San Pellegrino. This dog shows up. And then you, you, they see the belly. They come up. They sniff you. They do it. They see the belly. And they go, okay, now I'm the, now I'm the alpha. You give them that. You give them, hey. I'll show you my belly. I'll let you be the alpha for a minute. And then you stand up and then you're like, that was that. Was that. All right, dog? And then you pet the dog. You go, I show you my belly. Wow. But I'm daddy here. Okay. okay. I'm Papa Bear. I'm taking over from now on. And the Never dog's failed. like. Never fail. Dog, dog. The dog's like, it. you'll last one week with her. <laughs> well, dog's usually right about that. But. Yeah. The dog's like, get out of here. Buster. And sometimes you do a little, you, sometimes you just, the way you touch and handle a dog lets right. the dog know, like, hey, I'm the alpha. 
I, I don't mean like Caesar Blanc tss, tss, with the neck. Tss. When I meet a dog, I think I just got a piece of advice some one time from someone where they were like, this is a thing about dogs. And it always stuck with me. And I don't know if these things are true, but I follow them every time I meet a dog. Uh-huh. Is one, you're never supposed to make direct eye contact with a dog. Whoa. I don't, this is just what, like, okay, okay. they taught me a whole bunch of like dog psychology. This is what's true in dog culture. So mm-hmm. you try and em- imitate that culture when you meet a dog. Yeah. Never walk straight at a dog. Walk in a banana-like arc. Interesting. So I always do that. I approach. I don't make direct eye contact. I kind of like look mm-hmm. around the room. Like kind of playfully. Like the dog isn't even there. Like exactly. Just kind of playfully. I yawn a little bit. Apparently mm-hmm. now I've heard two stories on the yawning where yawning. yawning either means like I'm about to be aggressive or I'm looking to play. Huh. But like showing your teeth is a thing in dog yeah. culture. Yeah. So I kind of yawn a little bit. I walk around like I'm a little cocky. And sometimes the dog just runs up to you. But this is like if I'm approaching a dog. Yes. <laughs> then I, uh, and then I, I get next to it. Mm-hmm. I put the hand. I put the hand out. I kind of float it. Uh-huh. I get the neck. I start scratching. Mm-hmm. Then I go down to the dog's level. Mm. I always lower myself. Yeah. And so I'm like face to face. I'm yeah. on one knee. And I'm, then I give the dog like full body like pets yeah you know so Mm -hmm. i'm like see we're friends yeah we're chill i i don't try and be the alpha i try and be a companion i'm like i'm someone you can trust that's my first impression is always this dog can trust me yeah and also if a dog doesn't like me i'll just kind of hang around some people would just walk to the next room but i'll I'll hang around until we get to know each other Mm -hmm. i mean obviously to a limit i'm not sometimes it takes a while sometimes five minutes to just familiarized yeah some dogs are very skittish and sense yeah my ex-girlfriend had a very protective dog that she'd had for since the dog was a puppy and this dog was was like a dude I'm like yo and <laughs> sure the dog i remember the first time the dog joined us on the bed she said she said feeny's gonna bite you feeny's gonna bite feeny's gonna bite you on the bed i said no just do it trust me so she sat between me and feeny on the bed and feeny looked at me the whole time just all night just like if you touch her, I'm gonna fucking kill you. What type of dog? It was a rat terrier. Oh, okay. It was a little. I mean, like a small to medium sized dog. Like it can't hurt you, but it could yap at you. Like it should be a small dog, but it's kind of. And no, he could. He could. He could maybe break the skin on your fingers. Oh, yeah, but so he's, he's not gonna at me, take you in a fight. And every time I touched her thigh, he would start snarling, <laughs> and I'd put. And he'd be fine. That's funny. It was hilarious. So it took about, I would say, I dated this girl for a while. It took like six months for this dog. Started looking forward to me coming. And of course, you bribe it with treats. Gotta. At the end of the day, treats. If you're going to a girl's house who has a dog, and I think a lot of treats. A lot of girls, a lot of women uh, would love to see you interact with the dog. To see, can you be nurturing? Mm-hmm. And uh, can you make an extra effort for the dog? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is an extra step you have to take. In front of them, it's almost a performance yes. of this is me as a provider to the dog. Or yes. Like, I could befriend a dog. Yes. I can work my way into your life. And I remember when I, me and the girl with the dog. We call that broke. a audition. <laughs> when, we, when we broke up, I remember thinking like, well, good luck next guy having to win over her dog. <laughs> Two, because you can't just win over. You have to win over. There are many women out there. If you don't win over their pet... You're done so. You're done so. You're done so. Ramo. So, um, it's some, very important. There's some girls important. with a bird. You ever tried to win over a bird? No. Yeah. Quack! I'm what do you squawk cracker? at it? Give it a cracker. Ugh. 
Nightmare. Doesn't Polly Ollie want a cracker? Anyway, it's so stupid. So And then the bird looks at you like, really? Bird stereotypes? That's all you know about us? The Polly want a cracker and bit? The cool thing Next, is, cool thing is a lot of women have cats. Yeah. Yo, I'm a cat guy. I fucks with cats. Cats are easy to win over because you don't really even have to. They're just going to be around. Yeah. Cats like, will just I'm be not, like, mm-hmm. Some cats will walk up and be like, all right, give me, give me a few pets for good measure. Yeah. But uh, most cats will just be like, all right. Yeah. You yeah. don't, you don't Do show your, your thing, belly to Kathy. a cat. Do your thing, Kathy. I'll be back when uh, he leaves. Yeah, cats okay? are more intuitive. Make sure the bowl you know, is cats full. are like women. Dogs are like men. Anyway. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? That's stupid. Whatever. So, um. We've, yeah. we've been going for a while. All right, man. Well, how do we want to wrap this up? So I've been trying Granddaddy Purple <laughs> okay. for the sexuals. All right. Bubblegum Kush. But who I want to sponsor the podcast is Vanilla Scented Cavi J. Now, here's another thing. Vanilla Scented Vanilla. Cavi here's J. why vanilla. Vanilla is an aphrodisiac. Is that true? Yes, it is true. Wow. And it is a very sensual aroma. And it can, it's, it's like in Tantra, vanilla candle, vanilla, essence of vanilla is always used. So weed with vanilla is a combination of those two. The smell, vanilla candles, guys, get some vanilla candles, get a vanilla coated wax joint and just kiss the sky and find your lady. Hmm. I think that I would recommend, I think vanilla is an un, an unheralded, but you can Google it. Vanilla is very much considered an aphrodisiac and a, and a sexual enhancement scent. I guess a lot of things over the years have been found out to be aphrodisiacs. Like what? Even Avocados? Ra- random stuff. Even like uh, certain scents, like some of these uh, perfumes claim to have those properties. Yeah. Can you name anything specifically or are you just talking out your fucking ass right just now? Just talking out of my ass. <laughs> Adrenaline, you know, to get your life saved. Adrenaline's an aphrodisiac? I think so. I feel like you can't be pumping adrenaline and have a boner. I feel like they're at odds because adrenaline's like, like fight or I flight, feel like right? A ton of sexual encounters inspire adrenaline. Really? Or like, especially the first couple of times, there's like an excitement. Yeah, you know? maybe. I don't think my boner works that way. Not like a fear adrenaline, but like a. Um, just like a, it's like your brain reacts the same way, mm-hmm. like when you're in danger or yeah. when you, because there's like, there's an anxiety and then it gets yes. broken and now there's like a moment and there's an the energy. I yeah. feel like some of that is adrenaline. One time there was a, a porn star. I don't know if I should name her name. I won't name her name. A very famous porn star though. Saw me at the Laugh Factory in Hollywood and I crushed. Anyway, she afterwards, she, I got off stage and she saw me and she like pushed me against the lockers by the bathrooms over there in the in Hollywood wow. and she just started making out with me really? like, my adrenaline was like through the roof and then she yeah. was like we're going back to your place and I was like uh, uh, uh. you know I'm a okay. guy so we can't not give consent apparently <laughs> right. so we go back to my place and she is and I'm just I mean my, my adrenaline and she goes um she's like yeah man let's let's fuck or whatever and I Tommy, I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Couldn't there was get it up. nothing. It wasn't like it was like, come on, get up. It's like everything in my, my body was like, this isn't sexual to me. This is like pure. I'm on a roller coaster. I'm partly terrified. I'm probably. You were fresh insecure. off stage too. Fresh so off that's stage. A, that's adrenaline every time you adrenaline, get off stage. Yeah. So everything about and then here's this porn star who I hate to admit, I I had jerked off to her before ever meeting her. 
And here she is like in my bedroom, like, let's do this. And everything about my body was like nothing. It wasn't even like I even tried to get up. I was like, this isn't, I was like, you know what? I got to go to bed. <laughs> I just talked to her. I just talked to her in Dallas last week, man. And we joked about that. She's cool, man. Anyway, so yeah, I don't know, man. Adrenaline to me is like the opposite. I need to be chill. Like the, the more relaxed I am, my head, my face, my neck, my chest, my stomach, the more relaxed I am, the more I am like ready to go. Hmm. So to me, it's like. I think that is a better way of uh, doing it. I think, I think you have better sex when you are in a relaxed state. I think but so. But some people are weird. Some people are like trying to have sex in bathrooms. and I mean, I you get know? that. Like, I don't have that this urge. This is a type anymore. of person. Yeah, I don't think that's like, weed uh, let's sex. Let's go have sex in uh, the car in the yeah. parkway. Or, like, I don't think that's weed sex. Like, don't get stoned. Like, let's bone in this dive bar bathroom. Totally. No, these are... These are so this booze. It's like $5 draft night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the true. Patriots won. Let's fucking have a wicked session in the bathroom. That was like a <laughs> dumb thing to say. Anyway, so all right. <laughs> but yeah, but but yeah. So I don't have the I don't have the need to do the outdoors, all that shit. <sighs> it just doesn't like no. I'd rather be have my vanilla the air, candle, the airplane bathroom, some red lights, <laughs> a good a, a good joint, and uh, you know low low visibility. I don't know. I think we. Crack the code, Tommy. What do you think? Sounds like it. I don't Sounds know. like. If you guys have any questions or anything you want to comment about weed and sex and the combination of the two, please let us know. All right. <laughs> We're stoned. Good night. Hey, guys. Hope you enjoyed that episode of The After Laugh. If you liked it, make sure you give it five stars on iTunes and tell your friends about it. Subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, and please spread the word. Thank you so much for supporting, and check out our other podcasts on the Laugh Factory Network, Fanatics with Sean Joshi. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs>